in this, you know, we're going to be talking about this. And let me say this. I understand that while we honor our fathers and we, we celebrate our uh, fathers today and we lift up fatherhood, I know this can be a difficult day for some. If you've lost your father, uh, maybe if, if your father wasn't all that maybe you had hoped for him to be, I know this can be a difficult time. But here's what I want you to concede. Is I want you to see that we have a, a wonderful heavenly father whom you can turn to. Amen? And for those of you who are here who are fathers, whether your children are grown or whether they're still at home, uh, how we can learn to be like our Heavenly Father and be the men that God has called us to be. So take your outline this morning. Number one is this. This is not rocket science. It's just some very simple qualities that we see in God uh, that I believe also uh, we should see should be developing in ourselves as well. Number one is this, friends. God is a protective father. He's a protective father. Look at Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. Verse 31 says this, says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, it says, what should we say to these things? What's he talking about here? What's the context? What's the background? Friends, Paul has been talking here in Romans chapter 8 about bearing up under suffering, bearing up under the difficult things we're going through in life. In fact, if you look at verse 18, Paul writes, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present age or this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know, sometimes life's difficult, isn't it? You know, let me, let me rephrase that. A lot of times life is difficult, isn't it? And so we go through things. Uh, we go through difficult times in life, friends. But no matter what we go through, Paul is saying that the sufferings of this present time, we keep them in perspective, are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. So if we know Christ as our Lord and Savior, friends, the things that we are going through here on this earth are just temporary. Amen? And so Paul calls, uh, the Romans calls us to bear up under uh, suffering under difficult times. And as he goes on here in, in Romans chapter 8, in verse 28 and 29, he talks about the fact that God uses those difficult things in our lives to bring about good, doesn't he? That's a great thing. God can take terrible stuff that happens to us and he can turn it into good. Amen? It doesn't, it doesn't have to be terrible. It doesn't have to, we don't have to leave it there, friends, but God takes the difficult things of life, and he turns them into good in our lives for, his, for our good and his glory. God can take bad and turn it into good. Amen? So, back to verse 31. What shall we say to these things then? If God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, friends, if God is all of that, if, if God is in control, if, if God is, is protecting us, and even the bad things that happen in life, God can turn into good, who then shall we fear, right? What do we have to be afraid of? If God is on our side, if we have Almighty God as our Father, then what do we have to be afraid of? Look at verse 33. We'll come back to verse 32 in just a minute. Verse 33 says, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Uh, listen, what he's saying here is uh, not, not that nobody will be bringing a charge against us, against God's children. Listen, in today's world, there's a lot of people that speak against us, right? There are a lot of people that try to, try, try, try to, try to, try to, 
put us down as Christians and try to put down our faith. But what he's saying here is, listen, if we are in the Lord, it is God who justifies. God is the one who makes us right with him in Christ. Amen? When we are justified, it's when we're, when we're saved, when we respond in saving faith to the gospel, that gospel news that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins, that even though I'm a sinner and separated from God, I can be reconciled to him through the cross. When I respond in faith to that, the Bible says that immediately God does a work in my heart and he transforms me, he saves me, he takes me from death to life from darkness to light, and I become his child. And that uh, the, the big theological word we use for that is called justification. It's just as if I'd never sinned. So even though I'm a sinner and I'm deserving of hell, God, through what Christ did on the cross, made it possible for me to be reconciled to him. And when I put my faith in Christ and, and my, God lays my sins on Christ at the cross and therefore God's justice is satisfied, I now am right with God. So God looks at me, not as a sinner anymore, but he looks at me just as if I had never sinned. Now, if you think about it, that, that kind of sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? It sounds like, I, you know, Pastor, I, I've learned in this life that, 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 that you never can get something for nothing. There's always a catch there, right? Well, here's the deal. Salvation is not something for nothing. Just ask Jesus. He paid everything for our something. Amen? He paid everything for what we get in salvation. So salvation, while it may be free, it was not or uncostly. It cost him everything. So friends, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Doesn't mean that people won't try to bring a charge against you. Doesn't mean that the devil won't try to get in your head. Listen, I believe sometimes the biggest battle for us is against the devil. It's inside our head. You thank you for your honesty this morning, Cassidy, Trent. It's hard to get out and talk to people about Christ, isn't it? You know, you know where that big battle lies? Inside of here and inside of here. That's where that battle lies. Uh, it, it is getting up the courage, the boldness to be able to, to, to speak out for the Lord. But if God is for us, who can be against us? Doesn't matter what the devil says. Doesn't matter the charge that he tries to bring against us, friends. God is on our side. Amen? Look at what verse 34 says. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who's at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. So if God is on our side, he's the one who declares us right, righteous and right with him. And the only one who can condemn is God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said he's not going to condemn us if we're in Christ. Then what do we have to fear? Amen? What do we have to fear? This past week, um, we had the privilege of being in St. Louis, Missouri, going to the Southern Baptist Convention and getting to see some of the uh, work and get, well, get inspired on Monday was pastor's conference and got an opportunity to hear a lot of good preaching and, uh, and worshiping the Lord. And then uh, through the business things that were carried out on Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, exciting things going on in our convention and uh, sharing the gospel and the way that, the, that we're able to penetrate uh, cities like Cleveland and so forth with the gospel. But while we were there in Cleveland, or excuse me, not in Cleveland, in St. Louis, you can't be in St. Louis without going where? To Cleveland. Yeah, no, you can be in St. Louis without going to Cleveland. That's opposite directions. You can't be in St. Louis without going to the arch. 
And so we went to the arch uh, when some free time we had. And uh, how many of you here have been up in the arch? All right, quite a few of you. So awesome, awesome. You know, a um, little bit scary, right? You're going up in that little bitty pod. If you've never been there, they put you inside a little bitty pod, you know. Uh, you can't even sit up straight hardly and so forth. And you get up to the top and you look out and you see. But the arch is a great monument in our country. It's the gateway to the West, right? And uh, is a great monument. And, and you think about how in the world did they build this thing? 630 feet tall, starting 600, building two pillars, 630 feet. And you got to meet somewhere up in the air. It's just a, a, a miraculous feat of, of modern engineering. How many of you, when you went to see the arch, also went to see the documentary about how they, how they built the arch? Have you been down to see that when you were there? Okay. Um, some of you are chuckling with that. Um, uh, Rob, I saw you chuckling because I believe it was the same video they started with 50 years ago when the arch was completed. It looked like I was sitting in a 1960s classroom uh, watching that. But uh, very interesting. In fact, my seven-year-old came out and said, wow, that was really good. And so uh, I was kind of shocked about that. But one of the things that I found extremely interesting is as they built the arch and they started both of the pillars up to meet there uh, at the top of the arch, they got up so high about, I think, about 300 feet or so, and they really couldn't um, use scaffolding anymore. And so I don't know all the technical terms, but they had to devise a way in which they would continue to build and a platform in which they would continue to work on. And so they had a platform on each side that would, as they built another section, they could move it up as well. And as they got to the top, they got kind of close to the top. They built a platform between the two uh, sides of the arch before it was completed. Even at the very end, when they put the last piece in place, they had this platform. They even had some steel beams going across there. And here's what I found amazing is that 630 feet in the air, some of these guys on this film were up there without any harnesses or anything walking across a steel beam. I don't know about you, but not I, right? Not I. That's not me. I, I, I'm, I'm, I was scared being inside the arch up at the top, much less being out standing on a steel beam. But how did they have the courage to do that? I don't know. But friends, here's what I want to relate that to today. As Christians, here's where we get our courage. The courage to stand up for Christ. The courage to speak to others for Christ. Uh, friends, we get our courage because we know that God has us in his hands. Amen? That if we were to fall, guess what? Our eternity is secure in the Lord. Our eternity is secure in God. So anything that we have to face in this world, we ought to have courage and confidence to face that because of what Christ has done and because if I'm in Christ, I know where my eternity lies. Amen? Nobody can take that away from me. Well, friends, I believe the same thing holds true not only to the courage and the confidence we get because of the security we have in our Heavenly Father, but earthly fathers. Let me speak to you just for a minute. Our children, your children, will get their courage and confidence from the, 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 the protection that you provide for them. They will get their, their confidence and courage in the love that you show to them and the environment you provide for them. If they feel confident, uh, secure in your love, then guess what? They're going to have the courage and confidence to go out and do whatever God calls them to do. 
guys, I know that's a big responsibility, isn't it? There's a big responsibility that lies with us as fathers. It's the responsibility to guard, to protect, to oversee, to watch over our families, spiritual, moral, psychological, even physical, and, and even financial well-being. A lot of people misunderstand uh, what it means for a man to be called to be the head of the home. And there are a lot of people in our culture today that look at that and they say, oh, well, men just want to uh, take the authority and all this other stuff. You know what male headship of the home means as Scripture lays it out? More than anything else, guys, it means that God is going to hold us responsible for the oversight of our home. God's going to hold us responsible for the spiritual well-being of our home, for how we've uh, taught our kids about Christ, how we've led our home. God's going to hold us responsible for that. And so what does it mean to lead our home? It means to be the men that God's called us to be, to make sure our, our, our families are in church, to make sure our family knows Christ and, and, and puts him first in our lives. You know, I believe one of the most difficult things of being a father is feeling the weight of responsibility on our shoulders. I don't even know if any guys in here would admit that. But I, that, that responsibility, the weight of that responsibility on our shoulders of others being under our trust, how do we handle that? How do we handle that weight? How do we handle that responsibility? Guys, let me give you a secret. There's only one way you can handle it properly, and that's by leaning on the Lord. Our families want to lean on us as we lean on the Lord. That's the way God has designed it. Amen? It's the way God has made us. Guys, we are responsible for, our, for, for the oversight of our family, for their spiritual well-being, for their mental well-being, for, their, for, for even their physical well-being. How do we handle that weight? We lean on Christ. We lean on God. When you feel inadequate, when you feel weak, when you feel like, man, how am I going to bear up under this pressure? You wonder why guys snap today? It's because of the pressure that's put on so many. And the only way we can do that is to lean on the Lord. Amen? That's how we can be the protective, self-sacrificing, responsible fathers that God has called us to be. God is our heavenly protective father. Men, we need to be as well. Number two, second of all, not only is God a protective father, but he's also a grace-filled father. He's also a grace-filled father. Now, I know that you're probably not going to find that word in the dictionary like that. And that's okay, right? Um, you know, I probably combined those two, and I don't know that that's actually a word. But I, I want to explain what I'm talking about here, friends. In other words, God is a God that's full of grace and forgiveness. Amen? God is full of grace. He's full of forgiveness. Look at verse 32. Verse 32 says this. says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So what, he's, what Paul's saying here is, if God gave up his only son for us, how shall he not also freely give us all things? Now, is this a blank check? Does this mean that as believers we can ask God whatever we want, he's just going to give it to us? It's not what he's talking about, is it? 
he, he's talking about God wants to bless us. In fact, the word here, uh, freely give, is a, is a word that means to bestow out of grace. Friends, God is a, God's heart is generous. God is a God who loves to give. But all things here, he wants to give us all things. He, what's inferred here are all the things that God has promised to us. It's like, did you know God has our best interests at heart? God has our best interests at heart. It, it's hard for us to understand that sometimes. We wonder, well, God, why did you do this? Or, God, why did you allow that to happen? Or, God, why this, that, and the other? Friends, and listen, sometimes we, it, it, we think, wow, God, then why this? Here's what we need to understand, and here's what Scripture tells us is that God has our best interests at heart. He wants to freely give us all things. Friends, when we come to know Christ, he's adopted us into his family. He's given us his Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. He's given us everything. Friend, all the things that our heart truly desires, he fully fulfills those things. But God knows what's best for us. And God knows that that thing that we think we absolutely need or or that job that we think is just going to be the end all to everything, God knows that may not be the best. God knows that, that, that even what we think might be best may not. And so, friends, we have to trust him. Amen? We have to trust him. We have to trust what this verse says, that if he gave up his son for us, is he not going to also have our best interest at heart? Is he also not going to uh, be able to be, be freely giving us all good things? Friends, absolutely he is. Amen? Absolutely he is. You know, most people think that God is waiting up in heaven to zap us. That whenever I do something wrong, I've got to be careful because God's standing up there and he's got this magic wand. Anytime he just wants to punish us, he's going to zap us. Or, 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 or when we mess up, he's just going to make sure everybody knows that. Did you know that's not God's heart at all? The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. In other words, God doesn't want any to perish. Uh, the verse says there that God is long-suffering. He is patient with us. He's not quick to, to, to bring condemnation upon us. Some people say, why, 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 does, why is God allowing the world to go on and on and all the evil in the world? You know why he is? It's because he's giving us time to repent. Second part of that verse says, says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Repentance. So God, God doesn't want to punish us. God doesn't want to send anybody to hell. It's our rebellion against him, our, our rebellion against uh, his uh, being our creator, him being our sustainer. It's a rebellion against that 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 that. that makes us guilty before God, friends. But God has already made a way for us to be forgiven. God sent Christ on the cross to forgive us for our sins. So and what the Bible says is that God doesn't want to condemn us, even though we're sinners and we rebelled against him. We haven't recognized him as God and we do our own thing instead of what he wants in our lives. Friends, God is not quick to smash his thumb down on us. God wants to forgive us. God wants to, to, to extend grace to us. What we need to remember, friends, is that God loves us. And even though he's a holy God, friends, his holiness is counteracted by his love for us. Amen? Guys, parents, I believe this is 
a, a great lesson for us. You know, the temptation for us as parents is to always be keeping an eye out for our kids, right? Just for, just for when they mess up. Uh, the temptation is to keep an eye out for when they do something wrong and be ready to bring the hammer down when we catch them, right? What we need to remember is that the goal is not to punish. The goal is a heart that's changed. A heart that is repentant. A heart that loves Christ. A heart that has been changed that results in a change of behavior. Amen? And if that result can be accomplished from some other means other than punishment, then so be it. Amen? Listen, I'm not advocating a spare the rod, spoil the child philosophy. Boy, if if any of you know me, you know that's not where uh, I, I am at all. Friends, there are many times discipline is needing. But needed. But what I am saying is this. Let's let our kids see grace in us, not just the hammer. Amen? Let's let them see grace. When it's opportunity for grace to abound, let's let grace abound. What should we be after anyway? What should we be after in the hearts of our kids? Isn't it repentant hearts? Isn't it a heart that's soft towards God? Isn't it a heart that's, that, that loves Christ? Friends, and if that, if that comes about, if our kids learn their lesson before they get punished, then guess what? That's okay. That's okay. Amen? Y'all are so quiet this morning. Amen? Friends, God is a grace-filled God, and we need to be grace-filled people. Doesn't mean that he doesn't, um, doesn't mean that he's not hard on sin doesn't mean that we, don't, we aren't called to righteousness, friends. But we need to have a heart of grace like our Heavenly Father. Friends, God is a grace-filled God. He's a protective God. And third, but definitely not least, is that God is a loving God. God is a loving God. God loved us so much, verse thirty. Who says they did not spare his son but delivered him up from a, for us while we were yet sinners Romans 5 8 tells us God demonstrated his love for us in this while we were yet sinners Christ died for us friends so Jesus Christ died on the cross God sent his son to die for us because he loved us so look at verse 35 verse 35 says this so who shall separate us from the love of Christ Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Friends, no matter what we go through in this life, whether it's sickness, disease, suffering, financial distress, persecution for the gospel, whatever, friends, nothing can separate us from God's love. What Once we put our faith and trust in Him as our Lord and Savior, we are His, and nothing or no one can separate us from Him. Look at verse 38. Paul says this. He says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. Listen, I think he's covered it all. Amen? He's covered it all. Everything there, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So friends, we, if you've responded to the, to, to the gospel in faith, 
There is nothing that can separate you from God's love. You are forever glued to him through the bond that is Christ's blood shed on the cross for you. Friends, and knowing that God loves us that much gives us the security to put it all on the line for him. Amen? It gives us that security. So here's my encouragement to you this morning. Rest in his love. Rest in the love that God has for you and has redeemed you with through the cross. Amen? I believe this gives us uh, something also to think about as earthly fathers. You know, one of the biggest difficulties, one of the biggest things I believe many kids are missing in their lives today is security in a father's love. Talk about it. You hear it out there that uh, so many kids don't even have a father. If they do have a father, he's absent. Maybe, maybe not living in the home, or, or even if he is living in the home, sometimes he's absent-minded, right? <laughs> he's just not there. And, and friends, I believe that, that, the miss, the, the, that security of a father's love, when that's missing, it also causes all sorts of problems with kids in our world today. Many kids act out. They act up, they get tripped up, they get caught in stuff they shouldn't. They even run away. All in an attempt to try to get the attention and love that they crave from their father. Dads, I believe we need to step up to the plate. Amen? You know, baseball great Cal Ripken Jr. describes the longing he had for his father's love. He says that even though he knew his father loved him, he said, growing up, I love you wasn't spread around too much in our household. Not that it wasn't meant. It's just the way things were then. But he goes on to say this. He says, that part is different in my family. I want my kids to hear it. I, I tell them I love you no matter what. Whether you're good or bad, happy or sad, I love you always. Dads, let me tell you this. Your kids need to know that. Amen? They need to hear that. They need to hear you say that you love them, that you'll always be there for them. Friends, God has let us know how much he loves us. We need to let our kids, our wife, our families, know. let them know how much you love them. Amen? And let them see it with the sacrificial love you put on the line for them each and every day. But friends, you may be here today, and I said this earlier, but I know sometimes this is a difficult day for many. If you're here today and, and you've been craving that kind of love, your heavenly Father loves you. He proved it to you on the cross. He demonstrated it there, friends, and all we have to do to receive His love is to say yes to Him. He's standing there. He's offering His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. He has his arms open wide. He wants to embrace you. He wants to receive you. Friends, all we have to do is say yes to him. Maybe you're here today and you're a father. Guys, I just want to beg you. I want to encourage you. I want to call you. I want to raise the standard, guys. I want to call you to let your kids know that you love them. Don't let it go today without letting your kids know that you love them. Tell them early, tell them often, and show it to them. Amen? Will you stand up and fulfill the responsibility that God has given you as a father? Lean on him. Let him lead and guide you to be the father that he has called you to be.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for being our loving, gracious, protective, one-of-a-kind Father, one that is greater than anything we can ever imagine. Lord, for those who are here this morning who maybe have never experienced your love, have never received your love, Lord, Lord, I lift them up to you, Lord. I pray that you draw them to yourselves, Lord, this morning, that they may come to know you as Lord and Savior and Father who loves them. For all the dads that are here this morning, Lord, I just lift them up to you. Lord, I know that there is a great weight that uh, many times we feel as fathers, great responsibility to provide for our families, to provide for them physically, to provide for them spiritually, to provide for them mentally. And Lord, I know many times that we feel like maybe we're not adequate to do that. Lord, we know that when we have inadequacies, you fill those. So Lord, give us the strength to be the men that you called us to be. Give us the strength, Lord, to lean on you. Lord, it takes a big man to admit his need to lean on a heavenly father. For some reason in our world today, we've got this culture that says, you know, in order to be macho, in order to be strong, you have to stand on your own. You can't lean on anything. Lord, I know that those who are truly strong lean on you. Lord, help us to learn that this morning as we come humbly to submit to you. Before we sing our closing song, guys, I just want to invite you this morning, just with every head bowed, every eye closed. God's been speaking to you this morning, calling you to to be the father, the husband that he wants you to be. I want to pray for you. And so if if your desire is to be the man that God's called you to be, whether you already know him or you don't, whether you... uh, feel like you're doing a good job or whether you feel like you're doing a terrible job but if you want to be the man that God's called you to be and you just want I I just want to pray for you would you just lift up your hand this morning just so I can pray just every head bowed every eye closed just lift up your hand thank you thank you guys Lord you see each hand here this morning Lord you know the desires of the heart you know the desires of these men to want to be the men that you call them to be to lead their families to love you, Lord Jesus, to lead their families, to be the the light in their communities, in their workplace, Lord, wherever they are, Lord, I pray for these men to, Lord, lift them up through the difficulties and the struggles that they go through, Lord. Lift them up, even in the good times, Lord, that they may lead their families closer to you. Lord, draw them, each one, closer to you today. Lord, that they may feel strengthened in the inner man by your might and your power by leaning on you. Lord, we give this all to you. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together, if you will, as we sing this song to the Lord. If there's some way you need to respond to God, guys, you want to come and maybe have us pray with you? Be glad to do that.
Maybe there's some other decisions that you've made this morning. Maybe you have questions about who Christ is and what he means. I want to invite you to come. Our altar's open. Would you come? Whatever it is you need to do business with God about, would you come as we sing? Casting my cares aside Leaving my past behind Setting my heart and mind on you Jesus Reaching my hands to yours this morning we'd like to say uh, thank you for coming and worshiping with us today we're glad to have you glad you've been here at Southside. inside of your bulletin you should notice a connect card so if you'll take that out uh, put your name on there whether you're a regular member tender or visitor any other information there you're willing to share with us please uh, do that and uh, on the back is a place for prayer requests if you would made a decision this morning put that on there uh, we would appreciate that tremendously wanted to hand out some baptismal certificates here uh, first of all, Taylor's right here in front of me. Taylor, proud of you. Amen. Glad to have you. All right. Amen. Veronica. All right. Veronica, proud of you as well. Amen. All right. Brother Mark, I know you have a few announcements and close us out this morning. Definitely. Well, hey, grab your Bible. Go to First John chapter two. Time for sermon number two of the day. No, no, no y'all like I gotta go get some cookout. We gotta grill out. Y'all need to wake up, man, Pastor. I don't know what's going on. We're living up to our Baptist name today. We gotta wake up a little bit. But hey, just a few things we want you guys to be aware about. Just to know things that are happening going on in the church. We do a lot of fun things. We actually, just so you guys know, we're changing the script a little bit. 
on what we've been doing as a church, what we've been doing as a family, what we've been doing as a body. We honestly want you guys to be connected. One thing I've been teaching the teenagers a lot, and even on the mission trip we learn, is we're not made to do life alone. We're made to be connected. We're made to be a part of a family and to God's family as well. So we want to give you guys a lot of opportunities to do that. And there's a bunch of stuff in your bulletin. There's a bunch of stuff that we email out. It's on Facebook now. It's on Instagram. It's on Twitter. Um, it's on the screen behind me. Y'all ain't got no excuse, none whatsoever. So make sure you're checking that out. But just a few things we want you guys to be aware about is first, we're going to do a night of worship. Um, there was one that we did about, what, a month or two ago, Pastor Brendan, went super well. We're going to have a little fun with this one. We're going to be outside. We're going to be hanging out. So bring the lawn chairs. Um, we're going to be right out here in the front for all of South Bend to see us uh, lifting up Jesus' name in prayer and, and song as well. So make sure you come out to that. There's more information on the screen behind me in your Bolton online as well. Also, we have a family picnic that we want you guys to be a part of too. We're going to just take the, the take over a park by storm. We're all going to show up. We're going to party. We're going to grill out, play some cornhole, because that's what we do in Indiana. All we do is play cornhole and ladder golf. So we're going to do that. We're going to have a lot of fun with that as well. Um, one big thing that I wanted to let you guys know about is we had our VBS training and also for our children's protection policy that we have to go through every single year in order to make sure that we're okay with the state and that the cops don't knock down our doors and that you know we're in big, big, big trouble. So if you're going to work with VBS, teenagers, kids, whatever, you do have to come to one of these meetings. If you missed the first one, we got two more for you. Those are listed in your bulletin. And just in case you want to know, July 13th or 20th, mark those down. If you can't be here for either one of those, see Laura Smith, A-S-A-S-A-S-P, okay? Make sure you go and do that. Well, hey, today is Father's Day. It's a lot of fun. We're going to have fun. It's my first Father's Day, so I'm really stoked about that as well. But can I get, um, you don't have to clap for me. Don't clap for me. That's awkward. He made it through nursery, though, today. Elliot made it through the nursery, the whole service. That's, that's a praise if you know what's up with that. And he, Man, you guys made it through nursery, too, Aaron, so look at that. We did it, man. We did it. Well, hey, um, I don't want to end on a sad note. I don't want to end on a sappy note or anything like that. But if you know my story at all, you know my dad passed away when I was a kid. I was 10 years old. He passed away. In all honesty, I don't have very many memories of him. In all honesty, if you ask my brother, who was eight, he doesn't have hardly any. You ask my younger brother, Chris, sometimes he can't even recognize him. We have something that we want all fathers and all sons to be a part of, and it's the father-son camp out. We want you to be able to have fun, pour in, be a man, be a father, and actually enjoy time with your kids. We want you to actually be able to pour them, have fun, show them what it's like to be a man out in the woods and maybe hunt or deer. I mean, or, you know, if you... If you can't, don't, don't try. It'll be really embarrassing because I don't either. So, but we want you guys to have fun with that. We want to have the best time we can. And even if you don't have a son, you can still show up to this as well if you just want to come out and hang out with us as well. If you are planning on going this, though, we need your names as soon as possible on your Connect card. See Rob Latson. We want to make sure we have all the meat that we can even possibly dream of. No salads, no veggies, no fruit because the wife's ain't there. We eating meat, baby. Meat and potatoes. That's, that is what we are doing. So, hey. Um, One last thing I want you guys uh, just to do with me, if you could, if you could go ahead and stand with me really quickly. I know you've been sitting for a while, so go ahead and stand up, stand up, stand up. You know, whenever Jesus was with his disciples, he always looked at them and they, they, they had their conversation and they always left with singing a song of praise, a hymn of thanksgiving as well. So we're gonna do that again today, all right? We're gonna close out our service in song. So praise band, take us away. need to wake up a little bit so let's let's get those hands going a little bit of clapping there we go 
Psalm 118.24 says, Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. And then we'll just sing those words and go out together and have a great Father's Day. Today is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in some folks that you haven't seen all week long before you head on out of here. Amen? God bless you, saints.